Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ghouls in the House. I'm Natalie Latovsky. And I'm Arnold T. Blumberg. And it finally happened. What happened? And that's the movie. The happening. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We decided to finally rewatch The Happening. And, you know, we don't really have to do that again, I think. No, I don't anticipate ever doing that again. Uh, both of us felt like it's something that's much lampooned. How did it come up? Because I think you were bringing it up for a while. I know I was resisting it for a little bit. I but... mean, I felt like I wanted to re-watch it from the lens of now living in a pandemic and having that sort of pandemic metaphor as a comparison point. Like right. having an actual real world lived in comparison point right to what's going on in the movie and i thought will that change the viewing experience will that make me think differently about the movie i will say one thing right off the bat and again our usual thing full spoilers for everything we're not holding back on anything and besides this is the happening Come I, on. I think if you're worried about spoilers for the happening this is not your podcast you have far more problems than we can help you in a podcast <laughs> but one thing i can say right off the bat is we've been living through uh, years of a pandemic mm -hmm. which despite what the media would tell you is not over and i was thoroughly depressed by this movie like i'm <laughs> less depressed by the world outside my window which is possibly the worst the world has ever been in our lifetime in anyway. our lifetimes anyway but this movie just knocked me out completely so well done, M. Knight. You made a movie that's more depressing than the pandemic itself. But anyway, so yeah, we watched that. That's from 2008 originally. And then you also were looking for a nice companion piece, which is a movie you'd seen and I hadn't. Which is unusual for us. Which is unusual. And that I will just say right from the start before we get to it, I thoroughly enjoyed, which was one of the best post-apocalyptic sort of movies I've seen in a long time. The Last Days from 2013. That was an eye-opener. I expected it to be nice. A Spanish film that clearly is not going to get the same degree of recognition or awareness mm -hmm. from some people as an American movie. And I thought, that was, that was uh, that's what I, pretty much almost anything I could possibly want out of one of those kind of movies was in the last days. Nice job. So these are our, our two for this one. Something in this field could be releasing the chemical into the air when there's too many of us together. Let's just stay ahead of the wind. The Happening is one of M. Night Shyamalan's probably most infamous productions because after coming out of the gate with The Sixth Sense and arguably Unbreakable, I like Unbreakable quite a bit still, although who knows if I revisit it, but he started like veering more into being a par parody of himself where every movie was like, oh, well, we're expecting another Twilight Zone from you. And then it, then there were signs and there was a village and then Lady in the Water. And this came after that. And this one became a joke for many people, I think primarily through casting. Like basically the premise of this is that through unknown means, the all the plants and trees and plant life of the world has appeared to decide that perhaps they're just tired of our crap and they're going to start testing out a means by which they use toxin 
in a way that the movie very clearly defines as something they can scientifically do for real anyway against predators to try to attack human beings. And I should point out, we don't really get to that realization that that's what's happening officially till like three quarters of the way through the movie, but it's pretty clear from the beginning that yeah. that's what's happening. And instead, they're trying to have this be some sort of, what is this? Could it be a terrorist attack? Could it be a biological weapon? Right. Like, is there there's something in the air or whatever? It's like, no one knows what it is. But it's pretty clear to the viewer what it is. So that right off the bat, it kind of kills the suspense element right. of it. And then we get our group of characters who are like our mixed group of survivors who we don't really stick with in a group for more than five minutes, really. Mainly it's Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel as like an estranged couple who together with a friend for five minutes, John Leguizamo's character and a couple others are trying to figure out what's going on and survive and uh, make their way through this. It's not terrible. It's, it's like not entirely terrible. There's some stuff in this movie that if it had been in the hands of someone who could handle it, I feel like this could have been interesting it's basically a a different and like modern take on things like the birds and even to a certain extent invasion of the body snatchers and other mm -hmm. things and it's certainly interesting to have a premise of the the natural world has decided they're tired of us and and it has some creepy stuff especially how it starts off initially the basic thing is that whatever toxin the plants are using against us is just basically pushing us to kill ourselves. So everybody's killing themselves. And it's really disturbing. And I have to say, ultimately, it's one of the things I found very unsettling about the movie in a way that I didn't appreciate. Like, I, it's unsettling, and I guess it accomplishes what it's trying to do, but it's one of the things that made me so sad, so really, like, just drained by the experience of watching it that I really don't ever want to see it again. I just... And I think what it comes down to is, for me, making the crux of the whole thing suicide. Like, if it was a story where the toxin was making everybody kill each other, like 28 Days Later, kind of, you know, or something like, like the that. the crazies. Or the crazies, which is interesting, by the way, because the, the Spanish, was it, uh, Brothers, mm -hmm. who did Last Days, they actually did a movie called The Carriers with Chris Pine that I keep thinking I saw, but that I didn't, and... As came around the time of the remake of the crazies or something like that so anyway it's all it's all connected so i mean if it was externalized rage somehow i feel like i could handle that more than the extraordinary level of pathos and tragedy that comes from watching people like coldly and like lethargically kill themselves i think it's a very effective horror idea I think they actually do that part pretty well, but I don't want to watch it. Or if it was something that was more so whatever the toxin was just made people drop dead in their tracks, very like Andromeda Strain or Omega Man, where suddenly people are just dropping in the streets. I think we can handle that better yeah. as well. And also, unlike a lot of other apocalyptic films, there's usually some kind of thread of humor this movie attempts humor a couple times, probably most infamously with a scene where Wahlberg talks to a plastic plant. And it's just not enough, nor is that particularly funny. But also it's like this movie doesn't give you enough of an out, either through humor or character, to make the 
tragedy part of it palatable. And I found it so crushing that I was getting really, really depressed watching it. And it just was too much. Hello? My name is Elliot Moore. I'm just going to talk in a very positive manner, giving off good vibes. We're just here to use the bathroom. And then we're just going to leave. I hope that's okay. It, it's also incompetent in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the the casting across the board is weird. Like, Wahlberg should not be playing that part. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he's kind of clear on that, too. Like, he, he took a shot, you know. He and, basically was overjoyed to be offered a part yeah. that was just, like, regular everyman science yeah. teacher. Like, who, who casts Mark Wahlberg to be the science teacher, Mark Wahlberg thought. And so did the rest of us. And John Leguizamo, who I've come to appreciate in many other things over the years, and everything from Land of the Dead to John Wick movies and and other things, seems also mishandled here and given no opportunity to be the kind of character he can usually be in other things. He's basically completely neutered in this, and it's like he, he offers nothing. And then you have Zoe Deschanel, I don't know what she was doing. I don't know if that's what she is normally, but she's just so off-putting and weird. And then there's the whole idea that they've decided like they're going to hang this story on a couple that are clearly having straining in their marriage and she's having an affair kind of sort of she met somebody for dessert the world's tamest affair she had cheesecake with a guy after work (laughs) when she told him that she was working and that's another thing by the way this movie is obsessed with weird food references throughout Mm -hmm. the entire movie there's weird food references there's also this weird part where leguizamo says that his wife is heading to the town of princeton (laughs) it's like who says that you say she's going to princeton why is it the town of what is this suddenly we're like you know i do believe she's heading to the town of princeton what in a motor car (laughs) she's one of those locomotive cars don't you know (laughs) so it's just i don't know i don't know what the hell's going on and and again there's stuff in here that's interesting it 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 does still fit within the lineage of apocalyptic storytelling that goes all the way back to movies i mean at the very beginning of film like the green ray or movies like the last man on earth where in both cases you get scenes where people refer to this as being on the wind is europe's disease carried on the wind is it ben could be and if it is it isn't verge is that what you really think, or just what you'd like to think? I, I cannot accept half-baked theories that sell newspapers. I'm, I'm a scientist, not an alarmist. You're whistling past the graveyard. And we're living through a pandemic where a virus is airborne. And there were a couple moments in this that gave us what you were looking for. Some dovetailing here there was something about saying about getting back to work when this is all over right uh there are a couple there were a couple things like that there was also a moment where we see like a sign i think it's a sign for a housing development and the catchphrase for the housing development is you deserve this and it was like okay little on the nose but fair enough and uh, there were points but i mean basically the real summary of this is that There's a checklist of ideas that could make a very interesting horror movie. For example, 
this idea of basing this in actual science that plants can mm-hmm. communicate with each other, that plants have built-in defense systems and learned defense systems where they can use certain like compounds and structures and movements to try to keep bugs from eating them or to try to maximize the sunlight that they're drawing in. It's been shown that plants cooperate. It's known scientifically that some plants will use their root structure to give water to other plants who can't reach water Mm -hmm. sources. So there is a cooperative element to it. Okay, we're ticking the boxes at that point. We are talking about a world that is disrespectful to nature and to natural resources where... That's not getting any better. All of these elements are like the origin points mm-hmm. for these outbreaks are starting in the urban areas that keep a tiny patch of green. Central Park is mm-hmm. where we're starting. And then there's a large park in Philadelphia and it spreads from there. So you're hitting all those points where we're losing touch with nature, we're disrespecting it, plants can communicate, plants have defense systems. You know, we humans are the plague. That like it's not that we're experiencing a plague we are the plague that needs to be eradicated by the natural world and so you take all these boxes and you think you know that is an extraordinary premise Mm. for a movie and then he fails on every count in making it meaningful and interesting and poignant there's no like interesting character development. You don't really care what happens to them. I don't care about a single person. Like even by the end of it, there's just not a lot of interest in that. And there was also the nice touch you said, where it's like, there's a lot of casting in this beyond the main characters where it feels like a lot of real people, Mm -hmm. which is also a good plan. It's You know, it's a good idea. I I think I felt worse about the young army guy. yeah i mean there's some um, some really interesting like not main character work going on right and that's really just the dedication of the extras to having their moments where they can take them supporting cast does the best they can with what little they're given ultimately it's just not it's not well filmed it's not well written it's not well acted a couple other things is uh at one point i was about to turn to you and all this was going on saying like once we know for sure it's like a toxin from plants my immediate reaction was like we often talk about in zombie movies we've talked about in the past how people always say you know yeah but you know it's unrealistic because we'd clearly be able to get it under control and my first thought was you know this doesn't seem like it's really that big a threat because once you know what it is, we'd be able to get this under control. And then I thought to myself, oh, wait a minute. And, you know, just insert here whatever, you know, meme of wave hands at everything around the world. Mm-hmm. I suddenly realized, oh, that's right. Everybody's a moron. So, no, if everybody behaves stupidly, then this continues. Yeah. So, so that was felt real. There was even like the map of incidents they showed that reminded me of those early Johns Hopkins maps online when the virus first started spreading and we were like looking every day like, oh my God, is this really going to spread across the country? Spoiler alert. Yes. And uh, that was there. But I also wanted to bring up the weird part where about two thirds of the way in, it becomes a different movie for about five, ten minutes. Mm. 
And that's when they meet Betty Buckley's character. There's this there's this part of the movie where they find an old lady who's living entirely on her own, is clearly already deranged for reasons totally divorced from anything that's going on because she doesn't know what's going on. And it's Betty Buckley, who, depending on like your your past experience, was the stepmom on Eight is Enough, if you're from that era, was the gym teacher in Carrie, the original Brian De Palma Carrie. I say original, the first adaptation, however you want to put it. The original film version yeah, of Carrie. Yeah, right. And she was in, she wound up going on to split with M. Night, so she, you know, they, they got along apparently. Um, but also, I thought this was most interesting to me, was that she won a Tony. She's the one who sang Memory in the, the first Broadway production of Cats. So she's got some serious pop culture uh, cred here. And she appears as this crazy lady living on her own who both feeds them and smacks the kid in the hand when she tries to take something, but then also will give it to her anyway, because that's fine. And then, uh, you know, decides to kill herself eventually when she gets exposed to stuff and smashes her head into windows and accuses them of wanting to kill her. And it's like, what movie are we in all of a sudden? Suddenly we're in some weird... I wouldn't say necessarily Texas Chainsaw, but some weird kind of other movie. It is very Hills Have Eyes, Backwoods. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for electricity. And if you're trying to tell me what's happening out there, don't, because I don't want to hear it. Oh, yeah. And then, like, Psycho, like, she's got, like, a creepy doll in her bed. And then he goes into the bedroom and the doll's laying there. And she's like, you're here to kill me, aren't you? And I'm thinking, what is this? This is like a scene from another film. And then they get past that, and then they just decide at the end, you know what, we're just going to walk out into the wind to be together. And the trees evidently decide, you know what, we're going to give Wahlberg and Deschanel a pass for a few days and just let this happen. And the movie gives us that typical kind of, you know, oh, it's not over. And we go to France because if 28 Days Later taught us anything, it's that you can always end an apocalyptic movie with everything breaking out in France. Mm-hmm. Because we can appreciate that, I guess. <laughs> on a whole other level so it's i didn't understand like the whole betty buckley side trip was really weird and then on top of it the ending i think gave us another couple pandemic notes first day schools are open like they said oh schools are open we're going back to school she's pregnant so she's decided in the midst of all this let's bring a baby into this insanity why not and uh because they're now raising their friend's child yeah and that that part and then the the i don't know lemon drink i don't know yeah it's it's a mess this movie but i think the thing that i that really hit me was it isn't just that it's a mess it was just that it was very very sad and i did not feel the movie gave me any relief from the sadness and that was too much and i think the strangest thing too considering just how like sad and really like suffocating this movie is is that years later, Shyamalan tried to play it off like he was intentionally trying to make a spoof of the genre. And clearly we just didn't understand his genius and thought he was making something serious because he like can't even admit that it was a misfire. Yeah, there's apparently been a bit of reevaluation of this as sort of a almost satirical take on the on the typical apocalyptic film and he's like yeah yeah you know it's like uh, i was trying to do a farce kind of thing and you just didn't get it and it's like don't 
don't do that. We've talked before too about don't do that. That's one of our yeah. pet. Don't tell us we don't get it. We Mm-mm. we saw what you were doing and it was bad. That's that's what it was. But yeah, so that's the happening. It we, happened. We said it definitely is something that happened. I mean, I'm I'm glad I watched it again because I really I wanted to see, and I think honestly it's it's a good exercise to go through where there are things that just didn't click for you, but now you've been through something different or the world is a different place or we've had a different experience and would it resonate differently having been through that? It's sort of like you say all the time when it comes to students interpreting things, like it doesn't matter what the original intent of the film was. What matters is what it feels like to you when you're watching it. And I think I can safely say this this film is not improved by my life experiences at all. No. Um, and I, I will just continue to use the gif of him talking to a plant and make that my entire interaction with this movie. On the flip side, you introduced me to a Spanish film, Last Days, from 2013, that uh, I don't know if it's just because I was primed after the happening or it hit me on the right day or what. I don't want to take away from it because I think that maybe, you know, I don't know if there's a a, a reaction in the other direction, but Mm. it was one of the most enjoyable of the apocalyptic, everything's falling apart kind of movies I've seen in a very long time. This one in particular, I know we already said full spoilers at the beginning but i feel like people are less likely to have seen this movie um and so i'd highly recommend if you're interested in it to watch it first before you listen because we are still going to go into spoiler territory okay that's a good point in fact i don't know if maybe want to hold back a little bit on some things no okay no i just go ahead and talk about it all right i mean well then in that case yeah definitely we I, I certainly think we both strongly recommend this one if you're interested. So don't listen to us until you've seen it. And at the moment, we couldn't find it available on any subscription streaming services, but it is available to rent or to purchase through mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere you'd rent or purchase. I got it off Google Play. Many years ago, I saw one of the most inventive zombie-esque movies I'd ever seen. I think we did wind up talking about it on Doctor of the Dead. It was Pontypool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just so clever, the idea of language itself being the carrier for the disease. And this also was such an inventive idea. It was Barcelona, and for reasons that are never explained. Although, again, there is sort of a thematic connection in the sense that it could be argued that this is something the world is doing Mm -hmm. to basically stop us from all the things we're doing to it although it's even more obscure than much more obscure than the happening as to what's really going on yeah all of a sudden spontaneously with no warning everybody seems to be developing such an absolute all-encompassing horror of being outside that to actually be outside for even moments causes like a panic attack to such an extent that you have a heart attack and die it's a fascinating idea it's like it basically creates such a level of intense fear in your brain to be outside an enclosed space that you just die from the fear you just have a massive heart attack or panic attack from the fear it's like fatal agoraphobia yeah and so 
it immediately creates a situation where no one can even simply get from one building to another across the street. And we follow one young guy who's been with his girlfriend for years and has been resisting having a baby and she very much wants a baby. He's also on just on the cusp of being fired by like an HR uh, killer who's been brought in like an efficiency guy to mm -hmm. check his company except that when this all goes down they're all trapped in there together and we kind of join it on multiple levels we get lots of flashbacks to how it all began but then we also keep returning to a present in which it's been three months since he and his other company people have been in their building and have finally figured out a way to dig down into the subway system to start moving around because they can't go outside, but they can function and move as long as they remain enclosed. And of course, his mission is he wants to find his girlfriend and it's been three months and is she still all right? And he winds up being thrown together with the very HR guy who is going to fire him, who initially seems very surly, but turns out to be an extraordinarily nice guy. And they basically develop what becomes clear by the end of the film to be a sort of surrogate father-son relationship mm -hmm. in which we find out eventually the HR guy's mission is he wants to check on his ailing father who is now clearly trapped in a hospital and an invalid. And so they both have someone they need to get to. They both have to work together against the usual kind of Walking Dead-esque groups of people who have decided to give in to their basest instincts mm -hmm. uh, and create little clusters of uh, savage life where the strong, you know, you know, rule over the weak and uh, and find a way to work around this thing. And the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm thinking, I know I'm going to want to see this again because this was good. This was very good. The acting is superb. And I think in a way that The Happening would try but couldn't hmm. because there's still that damn Mark Wahlberg there <laughs> is that I didn't know anybody in this by virtue of it being a Spanish film. Right. I'm not familiar with the people. And that really does help in situations like this because I can just see them as the characters. I, I did recognize a couple people. One guy I did nail, though. There was a guy who's like a big <laughs> bruiser. And I thought, boy, he looks like the guy from and I looked him up. And he was like a big security guard in this. And roughly 10 years earlier, he was a big security guard in Beyond Reanimator, which was <laughs> shot in Spain. So, so I thought, okay, I got that one. One of the things I really like about this movie, and it's one of the reasons I wanted you to see it, is that they spend three months in their office building living in harmony, actually. It's like you often just see people launched into the like Mad Max stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and we still get plenty of that in this, but it's one of the reasons it's so jarring to the two of them because they've spent three months genuinely living in a cooperative environment where they've rationed all the resources that the building had. The cafe in the lobby has been rationing all of their packaged food and water. Yeah, say what you want about how we criticize companies, but their corporate environment adapted very well to mm -hmm. working under these conditions. And they all clearly, everybody in the building who probably worked for different companies, like all worked together to take shifts, tunneling from the underground parking garage to the subway system. Mm -hmm. It took them three months to break through that wall and get in there, but they all did it 
together and ultimately needed to leave because they were running out of resources and there's nothing else you can do. And it was sort of that moment of they're all hugging each other and going their separate ways, like out into the unknown. And the first like subway station that our two main point of view characters get to is just chaos yeah i mean it's absolute chaos people living there and violence and and what i liked about that too is like that station is where we would normally be the entire time in another movie yeah but we kind of pass through it in this movie Mm -hmm. and they manage to get out of it and then realize instantly they're gonna have to proceed with a lot more caution although again the other nice thing is kind of refreshing is that when they encounter other people from time to time, most of the other encounters are pleasant. They're Mm -hmm. guarded, but pleasant. And it speaks to that thing that I think I've talked about before on this show that I only found out recently where they've done these studies where it's like we've become so programmed, and I'm guilty of it myself in the past, of talking about how these movies show that like the real enemy is your fellow human beings, not the zombies. And yet studies have shown that people tend actually to try to help one another more often than to turn against each other. You see both in this in Mm -hmm. a way that feels pretty real. Yeah. I mean, they kind of come up with this plan where they're first going to go to his apartment because he thinks that's where his girlfriend is. And then Enrique is the the HR guy guy, is going to keep going past that to go to the hospital where his father is. And they manage to get into the apartment building by like blowing a hole through the floor. Yeah. um, Which is kind of a cool scene. And you get the impression that the apartment building has also been functioning kind of like their office building where people were not like they were distressed when the hole got blown through the floor because they'd been living in relative harmony in that space Yeah, it doesn't sound like anybody in that building was like attacking anyone else in that building Mm -hmm. so he there's people living in his apartment who aren't his girlfriend and he kind of panics and gets his way in and that in and of itself is this beautiful little vignette because it's clearly an immigrant family who's living there and their child is trying to help translate because their Spanish is not that Mm -hmm. good and they kind of come to the realization pretty quickly that like they didn't hurt her nobody was living there they needed a place to be they don't know where she is and they instantly start problem solving together Mm -hmm. because it starts raining and they work to collect water and one of several moments in the movie that reminded me of 28 days later Mm. kind of stuff too There's also all the shopping carts piled up in the mall scene that felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even like little, little vignettes like that just feel so amazing. And then that's sort of, that's the point when he finds out by looking through stuff at the apartment that actually his girlfriend's pregnant. And so like she had an appointment with her OBGYN that day. And again, in the happening, don't care about anybody in that movie. In this movie, care about virtually everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. They, they sell you on all the people. And the HR guy is, is, I think, my favorite character. Enrique is my favorite character. He's a guy that you think at the beginning is typically like the corporate stooge kind of guy that you're supposed to hate. He's obviously a very empathetic and strong character by the end who develops a real emotional bond with Mark, our main character. And it's like that relationship was also really an awesome thing to see. And where you thought, oh, well, the happening give us pandemic connections. This one had far more 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, early on, there was the thing where we saw the news when the panic, the panic. Yeah, that's what they're begins, calling it. First begins, they say, just keep working and shopping. Don't worry about anything. We need you to keep working and shopping. And there's like, there's a vaccine, but there's not enough for everybody. And the conspiracy people think, oh, this is, and it's like, this is a hoax. It's all, it's like a lot of it was so familiar and just seemed very much like that there was discussion of masks, like masking up. And uh, it also reminded me, besides the mall, there was like, you know, Talking Heads was very Dawn of the Dead. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this that felt very familiar mm-hmm. uh, in a way that the happening couldn't have hoped to go. And, you know, sometimes, all right, you shouldn't uh, build one up by tearing one down. But this is the way we do when we put a pair together. So naturally, we were talking about the happening. I'm going to mention it, you know, try to hold back from that a little bit. But this this had so much to recommend it. It was beautifully done. And it also has so much atmosphere where sometimes it takes its time, but not in a way that seems boring. Mm-hmm. It takes its time because it needs you to get comfortable a little bit in the spot. And um, and then it has stuff like a fight with a bear in a church, which is <laughs> which if you haven't seen it, you know, I mean, we told you to watch it first. But like if you hadn't seen it and still listen to us, it's going to sound really ridiculous. But that's quite a sequence. It's it fantastic. really is. Yeah, I mean, there's still some very uh, on-the-nose metaphorical stuff, like Enrique is someone who's older and single and the only person in his life is his father, and he spends the whole film collecting seeds in a little plastic bag, like popcorn kernels and apple seeds and, like, whatever he can find, he saves. And when it gets to the end and he's not going to be able to go on he you know passes the seeds along because that's what's gonna like sprout the mm-hmm. the next generation etc cetera, etc cetera. the movie very much leans heavily on the notion that yes children are our future and there, there's elements of the last i don't know 10 minutes or mm-hmm. so that are just awash in every conceivable cliche you can think of and i was so ready for it and happy <laughs> to see it and I think also because the happening depressed me so much, mm-hmm. I was even more ready for a movie that just gave me an out and said, yeah, this is bad, but also love will triumph over anything, even our fear of outside spaces. And that it's a very, very satisfying ending. And I think any elements of it that feel like they're a bit pat, it's like sometimes that's okay. And, uh, like the vistas of last of us kind of city at the end also very good remember you also said early on i think you're trying to prepare me like it's not the highest budget movie Mm -hmm. they make great use of some cgi stuff for the cities on fire and yeah the city at the end it looks good it's it's perfectly good for the story they're telling it's a situation where i feel like they knew what their limitations were for the effects that they could achieve and therefore, they just focused a lot of the film around situations that didn't require that so they could just pull that out when they needed to mm-hmm. and just kind of punctuate with it and give you a little punch of it. And so I really think that's to their credit. They they found a way to make something that in other people's hands, like in other direction would have come off like such a made for cable B movie. And like, this is a film, like it's a legitimate 
yeah. movie that's well put together, well directed, well acted, that the set pieces look good. It just feels right as a movie. And I think that's one of the things that's most impressive to me about it. It's interesting, too. This is uh, I usually don't mention this stuff because it doesn't really matter. It's what we say. But I'm, I just was looking. It's like this has like a 91 percent rating mm -hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, has its own problems. But, you know, and it's like a lot of the reviews that are noted for this. It's uh, like, for instance, oh, Scott Weinberg actually is credited on the, the Wikipedia page. He's a good reviewer. I've known about him for years where he says taken a bit less seriously or presented with a little less heart, the last days could easily devolve into something silly or even worse boring. And it's like, yeah, it's like everybody does a fantastic job in this. And even the stuff that's a bit, like we said on the nose or it doesn't matter. It's mm -hmm. fine. And you're really primed for that ending when you get to it. And, and to me, another thing too, I mentioned walking dead. There's a lot of elements in this where, like I said earlier, I think it balances well the idea that, yeah, some people are going to meet are going to be terrible, but most people are going to be guarded, but, you know, help one another, which is mm -hmm. a nice message. And when they meet the couple terrible people, it's very much like scenes out of Walking Dead. But it, to me, is a great lesson in this is how you do it in the space of time that that kind of story deserves as opposed to spending 47 years on a TV show where you just keep spinning your wheels with the same thing. Mm -hmm. This accomplishes that well without belaboring the point. And on top of it, it's got a fantastic cast and another great example of how we don't, and I'm guilty of it too. I think you tend to push me more in that direction more often and, and I should do more is that we don't seek out enough film from other countries and stick to American productions and the really great stuff is happening in other places. Like remember how impressed we were trained to Basan at the time. For sure. And I would put this up there too as like this is a movie everybody who's into the whole general genre of zombies and apocalyptic storytelling should see. It's an example of it done right. And it's not an American movie. And you won't recognize anybody necessarily, unless you saw Beyond Reanimator, in which case you will. <laughs> and and it's worth it. And then, then it'll make you think, how come they can't do this more with, you know? And I think most importantly, it's a movie that doesn't feel like it's obligated to be bleak. That there are elements of it for sure that are dark and sad, you know, and depressing, but... It also doesn't, it doesn't leave you feeling dark and sad and yeah. depressed. I mean, it's a lot of melancholy stuff, but I didn't feel depressed by it. Yeah. And there's a lot of movies I think that feel like it's not art or they're not hard hitting enough if they don't just like completely drain you of hope and then leave your like desiccated shell on the floor of the theater. And this doesn't do that. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Ghouls in the House, featuring Natalie B. Latovsky and Arnold T. Blumberg. You can find Natalie on Twitter at nblatovsky, that's nblit of sky, and Arnold at Doctor of the Dead, that's me. Our movies this episode were The Happening, 2008, and The Last Days, 2013. Ghouls in the House is an ATV Publishing production. 
Check out our other podcasts, books on your favorite fictional worlds, and other assorted goodies at www.atbpublishing.com.